0: Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. I am grateful for you listening to the 75th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. According to Google, proper gift for a 75th anniversary is either diamond or platinum. I'm low maintenance either way you pick send it along we're gonna be worth your time again this week and this time with a bit of a different show format we're gonna start off with something that's about sports but also like just more about life and other stuff than we usually do here and because this really feels like a week in and around Kansas City where we've all got a lot to say the show this week. We're gonna double up on the questions this week and uh, and skip the, the third section that we usually do. So just feels like the right time for it, you know. So okay, um the top here. This is sort of about Chris and Angie Long privately funding a, a seventy million dollar eleven thousand seat stadium at Berkeley Park downtown. It's sort of about the Royals continued exploration of building a new ballpark somewhere downtown. But I think it's just as much about how we all kind of go about our lives and Look, like I said, this is gonna be a different show than usual and that starts here and uh full transparency I feel like I need to make at least two points uh before I start the first um I- I'm feeling like i'm trying to thread a little bit of a needle here just being honest because I- i've got a point that I believe from like In my bones, you know what? I mean just deep within my soul but I'm also wanting to make sure that none of this comes off as preachy, um, because that's not the intent, that's not what's in my mind. Um I don't think I'm qualified to be preachy. I'm certainly not interested in being preachy. So I, I, I hope that if we get close to that line, you know, just give me the benefit of the doubt if you would. Um the second piece here, I I'm sure I've been guilty of what I'm about to speak against. So I want that up front that, you know, I'm a work in progress, right? Like I think we all are. Um So, maybe this is um, all as much about reminding myself and putting it out there for my own accountability as anything else. So, okay, there's been a lot of talk about downtown stadiums, right? First, the Royals announcement, and then with what the Longs finished this week. And uh, one of the things about America in 2021. Is that anything that hits remotely close to a cultural feel or taps into the way people live their lives Just instantly becomes this sort of major debate, you know, and it usually doesn't go pleasantly And so most of you know this, but i'll just say it here anyway, just to get it out there. Um, I love downtowns Um, I love cities. I love the energy that's created the creativity the Sense of action and awe like i've just i've been this way my whole life, you know, and it probably started when I grew up Um, in a pretty small town, but would go visit my grandparents in Chicago a few times a year. And I was just enthralled with, with all of it. And that never left. And I've lived in just about every way Kansas cityans can live, right? Like, um, you know, apartment with college friends, outer ring suburbs, downtown, and now in a, you know, single family type neighborhood that's closer to the middle of the Metro. And there are parts of each one of these experiences that I love, you know, and, and parts that aren't perfect. And if I'm being fully honest, I would have to admit that I'm like frustrated with myself that I've had this set of life experiences and now have something of a platform to talk about things in Kansas city. And I still sometimes feel myself slipping into that mode of, you know, sort of my current worldview is correct and other people need to get on board, right? Like I'm frustrated that I, I can feel myself slipping towards that. So I need to stop because it's, it's BS, you know, and I'll continue to try to keep that Front of mind, and I hope you'll help me because we're at a really important and transformative point in Kansas City history right now. Maybe that sounds hyperbolic, but you tell me when we've ever had downtown changing this rapidly. You know, one stadium being built, streetcar installed and used heavily, and now expanded. Um, You know, new downtown ballpark being explored, new airport terminal. Um, At least some involvement in North America's presentation of the World Cup, uh, which we'll hit on again later, Uh, potentially even hosting games. I mean, we've got like all this energy and momentum going and I hope we all do our part to protect that and to build on it because it's good for all of us. And and I mean that literally, like it's good for all of us, whether you live downtown or by the plaza, whether you live in Blue Springs or Bonner Springs, whether you live on the east side, whether you live in Olathe, whether you live in South Kansas City, the Northland, like wherever you live. And, and even whether you, like, if you live somewhere else, right, and you just visit here um, a couple times a year, even if you just used to live here, feel some connection to Kansas City and just want to see it thrive, like, the stuff that we've got going on is good for all of us. The, the You know, the momentum, the progress, the energy, I just, I, I, I hope we can work together to have, like, honest conversations about how to keep that going. And when I say honest, I mean that some people who don't go downtown much need to not cite crime statistics in Kansas City, Missouri, and be fooled into thinking that those things are downtown. There's a real problem with crime in Kansas City. Um, I don't think anyone would argue against that. But the heaviest areas are not really that particularly close to downtown. And when I say honest, I mean that some people who live or work or both downtown need to keep in mind that Kansas City is, like Kansas City Inn, is something that a lot of us can call ourselves with pride even if we pay income tax in Kansas or live in Liberty or whatever like we just we need to understand that without people who live outside the 435 loop like we're less of a city right like we're less major league we're smaller we're less important and it takes all of us is what i'm saying and and i think that the pride that a lot of us have in Kansas City, no matter where we live specifically, the pride that a lot of us have in Kansas City is one of the best parts of living here. And we see it most obviously around our sports teams. But we also have a lot of like inherent challenges with that because of the geographical divides. And, you know, unfortunately, how segregated neighborhoods and parts of the metro can be. And and here I'm not just talking about racial segregation. I'm talking about like income levels and even more just like general world views, you know, because it's entirely reasonable for somebody who's never heard of Berkeley Park or been there to wonder where it is or what that area is like. It is entirely reasonable for someone who lives in Overland Park or Parkville or whatever and who's been used to and comfortable with following 435 around to the stadiums. It is entirely reasonable for that person To be wondering how exactly that would work downtown with people already working there and now you're adding tens of thousands of more people potentially on weeknights. I mean, like these are entirely legitimate questions that can and are and should be asked by people, including by people who don't fit the counterproductive and misleading stereotype of like scared suburbanite. So I know this is just like a symptom of like a broader disease, that we're sure as hell not fixing with this podcast but like the eagerness and speed with which we seem to run to our little groups is a real halt to making the places that we love better and to having real and rewarding interactions and relationships like look i don't know what it's like to live in other places um other cities around the country i'm sure there's some of this everywhere But I also think it's probably felt deeper and a bigger challenge here because we're literally divided by a state line that sets in motion all of these dominoes, you know, um, from, you know, one side of the state line stealing business from the other, you know, Jackson County carrying the freight on, you know, tax support and everything else. I just I hope we can all try to be a little more open minded and a little more forgiving of disagreement because none of this works with just like a small subset of Kansas City pushing, and nobody's convinced to change their minds on something by being told that they're selfish or stupid or whatever. Like this progress requires, you know, someone who lives at nine hundred nine Walnut understanding or at least being open to the perspective of someone who lives at one hundred fifty first in Merlin, and. It requires someone who lives in Blue Springs to think beyond their own inherent convenience. You know what I mean? So like Kansas City is like, it's a great place and we can all choose to live anywhere. And all of us here, you know, with this show have either chosen to live here or feel a connection to this place. And we're never all going to agree. But I think that right now, again, in this really historical time of progress and change, especially in the context of some often like really ugly and dismissive conversations with politics and other issues. I just think it's really important that we all remember that we're a lot more alike than different, you know, and that we all just want what's best for Kansas city. So God, I hope like, just tell me, I, I, I hope that didn't come off preachy. Um, if it is, I apologize. And, um, (laughs) I also promise I'm not running for mayor or anything like that, but I just, I, I know we all want the same things, you know, and we have different ways of doing it and that needs to be okay. That needs to be okay. And we just need to listen to each other and understand that we've all got different perspectives and different insecurities and different questions about all this stuff that, that, that deserve thought and that deserve respect. Okay. That's all I'm saying. All right, guys. Um, before we move on to the rest of the show, here comes the spiel. Um, three asks, and you know we're still cool if you do one or two or zero. But I gotta ask first. Please help support us by giving the sports pass a try. Dollar a month for the first three months, or thirty dollars for a year. You get all of our sports coverage, Chiefs, Royals, colleges, everything. Just reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and I'll send I'll send you the link. Uh, the second, please rate and review. Um, we appreciate all the love you've given us. Uh, we see you. We thank you. Um, Way more than 100 five-star ratings. I love it. Uh, But if you haven't already done that, if you haven't already given us a rating and review, please do. It really helps us get the word out. Uh, Third thing, if you want to participate in in next week's show, and I hope you do, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone. Call anytime. 816-234-4365. 816 two, three, four, four, three, six, five. All right, guys, uh, appreciate you. Um, quick break, and then we're back with the questions. And by the way, this first question, I know I've said this a couple other times, but this is the best question we've had in the show ever. Um, just, <laughs> it's great. It's perfect. Cannot be improved on. You know, Sam, that was the
1: worst team I've ever seen play as a a chief player and a fan. I am so embarrassed for these guys. What do they go to practice? Don't they know the rules? 55, he can't, he penalized, can, can't catch the ball, the- Kelsey couldn't catch the ball. Mahomes is not throwing right. Something's wrong with Mahomes. Something's wrong with everybody in there. They need to trade them all out. I'm getting so sick of this. We, we, The best team, and we're going out to be the worst team. Oh, how sad. I'm a grandma, and I've seen these. I've seen them, and I root for them all the time because they've been better than this. Something's going wrong. Coaches, reads, players. They need all scream at them, holler at them, talk to them, tell them what the rules are. Do they not teach them what the rules? What do you practice for? Why do they go out there all damn week and practice? They ain't learned a damn thing. Sam, I'm mad. Bye.
0: <laughs> you guys like someday somebody is going to have to explain to me what I did to deserve you guys. Uh, this is the best. This is the absolute best. This woman should have her own show. Um, Okay, next.
2: Hey, Sam, this is Tucker down in
0: Joplin. Uh,
2: Thanks for including my question. Um, I I think a couple things can be true, right? I think Andy Reid is uh, the best coach in the history of the Chiefs. I think he's one of the uh, greatest offensive minds of his era. But I think he's kind of struggling a little bit right now, too. The offensive line, there still seems to be a disconnect to me between the offensive line and Mahomes. I think the offensive line um, didn't play very good versus Tennessee at all, but I think that, you know, he's – Mahomes is still fighting it, trying to figure out how to work with this offensive line a little bit, bailing on some empty pockets. But either way, uh, speed rushers like the ones that Tennessee had the other day seem to give these Chiefs tackles some problems. So my thing is I think they need to run the ball more, for one, and I know it's tough when they keep falling behind early, but – you know, even without Clyde, I mean, Daryl Williams, he's almost just as productive as Clyde. I, I think they need to run the ball more. But then more importantly, what in the hell has happened to the screen game? That used to be a staple of the Andy Reid offense. And, again, I know that Clyde's out, but you've got Daryl Williams. You've got Jet McKinnon. uh You've got, I mean, Nicole Hardman held tight end screens to Kelsey. I saw that screen that uh, Tennessee ran the other day when the Chiefs had been pinned down by the goal line on – like third and eight third and nine or something. And it just, it was such a good play call. And that it just remind, reminded me where is the chief screen game to help slow down some of these pass rushers and to help the offensive line. some. so anyway, those are my thoughts and just kind of wanted your input on that. And thanks again.
0: Okay. So there was a lot of questions about the offensive line this week. So I want to make sure that we hit this pretty high. Um, by the way, none of the comments about the offensive line were positive. And we all see these things differently. But I, I, I have to tell you that watching that game live in Nashville, I thought the a- offensive line was just getting destroyed. And I think a lot of you would have agreed with that, right? And then because you guys have real jobs and I have my job, like I went and rewatched the game a time or two. And I have to say that a lot of what looked like the line getting worked was actually as much and sometimes more to do with the quarterback, and I put one of these clips in the written minutes this week. And obviously, I, I hope you check it out because it's fairly indicative of what's happened more than I think a lot of people realize. You know, the pass rusher in front of Brown gets around him on the edge, you know, on 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 Mahomes' backside, and Mahomes breaks out to his right and scrambles, and the play was sort of gone before it had a chance. And I'm telling you that watching that snap live. I shook my head at how slow Brown is, um, and all of it. But if you go back and watch that again, I think you'll see that the rusher gets around Brown at something like eleven or twelve yards down the field, and that simply cannot be on the tackle. Like it's just, it's unrealistic to expect any tackle to block any pass rusher forever, right? And 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 once you get that far from the line of scrimmage, it's on the quarterback to have better footwork to not drop. Back so far, or to step up instead of out, you know. Especially with that that wide rush, creates a huge lane between the left tackle and the left guard. So um, I've got to call him up on this right now. I hope you check it out. But I, I just I really thought that the Titans game I thought it was the worst game Mahomes has played in his career by far, and that was just one part of it. Is the pocket stuff. And he's just look. He's got to be better. You know, and the protection is never going to be perfect, but Mahomes is plenty talented enough to make better of it than what he has. And I'm not saying the line has been great, and, you know, Brown has a clear weakness against speed rushes to the edge, but the Chiefs know that. And they can't be in a spot where they make things worse with the quarterback dropping too far and, you know, making the wrong move out of the pocket. Like chipping with a tight end, have the quarterback come up. There's just there's a lot of counters to what's happening right now. Um, And I just I just want you guys to remember that when you watch the game on Monday, it's just it's not always on the quarterback. Sometimes the, the line's not perfect. I'm not saying that, but sometimes the quarterback makes mistakes, makes it look like the line has made mistakes when they really haven't. Um, so, okay, one more at least serious Chiefs question.
3: Sam, hey, hey, this is Rob Desar from Hendersonville. A few weeks ago I left you a long-winded question, you were gracious enough to answer it, uh, about does our coach's voice resonate? And you answered it uh, with the optics relating to the uh, defensive coordinator Magnolia. Spagnolia. I was actually asking it, and it's even more so important today, about Andy Reid, uh, the fumbles, the continued uh, lack of uh, I guess performance. Um, Obviously the quarterback um, is maybe not listening to him Um, in some ways. I hate to think that way, but um, I don't believe uh, the team is responding to the coaches. And it goes all the way up to, of course, Andy, any insights that would be most appreciated. Thanks.
0: I hear you. And it sure doesn't seem like it at times, right? Like the, the turnovers are just inexplicable. And you guys know how often and how strongly things change in the nfl and for eight out of eight years andy reid's chiefs have been better than league average on turnover rate and usually way better than league average usually near the top so and now we're seven games into the season which isn't early anymore and they have five more turnovers than anybody else in the league not just that but in seven games they've already turned it over more than they did all of last season it just doesn't make sense I know there's like a lot of theories going around, and Andy obviously has a lot going on in his life, right? His son's like tragic car wreck and the trial, the health scare after the Chargers game. And I'm not here to tell you if those questions aren't worth wondering about, but I am here telling you that when Andy was handling some really sad and unthinkable stress with his family during and after 2012. He started multitasking by taking over the worst and most dysfunctional team in the nfl at that time And he won his first nine games on the job So I don't think any of these things are just that simple, you know, I know it's easy to draw that line but i'm just telling you I think there's a lot of other factors like I think what we're seeing is a combination of a lot of things. I think we're seeing teams playing the chiefs different and specifically in a way that they haven't really seen before and um obviously haven't proven that they can beat. I think we're seeing some of the rest of the league catch up and even pass the chiefs in terms of talent um, at the quarterback position, including I think we're seeing that confidence that built up across 2018 and 2019 and 2020 before the super bowl. Um, I think we're seeing that dissolve a little bit. Um, I think, and, and, and this is hindsight because I certainly didn't feel this way in real time. But I think we're seeing perhaps too much feeling that the Super Bowl loss was just about the offensive line and not enough energy put toward fixing other areas, you know? And and I think we're seeing the quarterback panic a little bit, like feeling some pressure to make up for for all that stuff going on. So I, I get in the moment that it feels like this thing is broken. And, you know, toward that end, I would just tell you that it might get worse before it gets better with the Packers, Raiders and Cowboys games coming up after Monday. But... I'm still of the mind that this is seven games, and that it's not all terrible, and that Andy Reid has as clear a record as possible about being able to lead and being able to win when people didn't think it could happen. You know, like I'm—I would remind you that in 2015, this team started one and five, and a lot of people wanted the coaches fired then too. Um, but then they won 11 straight games, including the first playoff win in 20 some years. So again, I, I'm not telling you that this thing will get turned around immediately or that they'll be back in the Super Bowl or even the playoffs, because I don't know that. But I do know that there's enough here to believe things will get better, you know? And look, I think (laughs) this is weird, but I think, like, Monday night, I've just been thinking about this, and I think Monday night is going to be the first game that I've ever been to in more than a decade covering the Chiefs, where even a blowout win won't really move the needle or generate much confidence. You know what I mean? so anyway, uh, look, speaking of Monday night game, um, let's uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Hey, Sam,
4: uh, Phil calling from Sioux Falls and have a question for you. Um, I'm planning on heading down to Kansas City for this Monday night's game between the Chiefs and the Giants. And the thing is, I need some advice. I'm going down with my boss, my general manager, who is a friend, also with my boss, and he's originally from New York, a big Giants fan, and so the Chiefs will win or should win, I guess I should say, uh, with recent events, um, may win, I don't know, but if the Chiefs are winning and winning big, what is the point at which I need to stop cheering loudly for the Chiefs and start to maybe be more conciliatory to the Giants. After all, this man I'm going to be standing next to controls my destiny. So at what point do I stop yelling loudly for the Chiefs and maybe toning it down a bit? Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Look, man, you know I don't like to tell anybody how to fan, but the way I see it, this is the one time you can confidently and publicly taunt your boss and get away with it. Because... Look, it's easier for me to say this because it's your career, not mine. But I would point out that if a man tried to sabotage another man's career because the Giants lost to the Chiefs in week eight when both teams are under 500. I mean, let me know if that happens. I'll say that. Just let me know if that happens because I would like to inventory a historic act of pettiness. So I say go for it, man. Um, You know, at the end of the national anthem, make sure you scream Chiefs like right in his ear. Tomahawk chop him. um, Open or closed fist. Ask him how he's enjoying, you know, Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. Ask him why he thinks the Giants have been able to keep up this pretty good reputation around the league when they haven't won a playoff game in a decade and have been better than seven and nine exactly once in the last nine years. I'm telling you all of this, but I should also say that you'll be setting yourself up for some difficult questions because your, your boss is showing a lot of courage and grace, honestly, following a two and five team on the road. And anything less than like a two-touchdown win, and I'm just telling you, Phil, you will deserve every bit of scoring that comes your way. But, you know, sometimes shooters get shot, right? That's how I look at it. All right, let's move on.
3: Hi, Sam. This is Cam from Lee Summit. Uh, Just calling with hoop season, getting ready to start up. I noticed uh, you had mentioned some things on social media. Maybe you have seen uh, Carrington. Production of Tim Brooks to Paseo. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a hoops junkie from Kansas City. I actually followed that Liberty team, 1998, I was a little kid. Going from gym to gym, watching that team roll to a state championship and things like that. I was just curious with hoop season getting ready to gear up at the high school level and the college level and already here at the NBA level, um, you know, what are some of your favorite memories of covering hoops in Kansas City, whether it be, you know, at the high school level, college level, or any other level? Uh, thanks for doing what you do, enjoy your work, and really appreciate it. Hope to hear your answers, soon on
0: the podcast. Thanks. Bye. So, yeah, first, um, Carrington's show is great, and if you like Kansas City or Kansas City history or basketball or whatever, it's, it's a fun watch. Um, he was nice enough to interview me for the show, and uh, I told him my favorite basketball player to cover, and maybe my favorite high school athlete, period, from the time I was doing high schools, was Marcus Walker. And uh, you know, this is maybe a strange word to use, but I don't know that I've ever covered an athlete, and this is at any level. But I don't know that I've ever covered an athlete who played with more charisma than Marcus. Um, you just could not help but be drawn to him. He was just so fundamentally confident, <laughs> and I think he had a lot of good players beat before tip off because of that. And uh, I would also, I would tell you that my favorite basketball team that I've covered here. Um, has to be that 2012 Mizzou team, uh, the one that basically used basically a six-man rotation. Um, you know, that was a group that was just so close and fit so well together. They basically coached themselves, and Marcus Denman was the best player on that team, and God, he was a joy to watch. Just played with, like, absolute intensity every moment he was on the floor, um, which <laughs> that year was basically every minute of the game, right? Um, that team was all perimeter, you know, Denman and Kim English, Michael Dixon, the Pressy brothers doing their thing, like penetration and ball movement and shooting and all that. And then Ricardo Ratliff, usually outsized in the middle, but, you know, getting his fair share of, of rebounds and, um, and doing his thing in that space. So, you know, look, this whole, like us against the world thing is almost always played out in sports, but that group had some legitimacy to it because Mike Anderson left them. And, you know, the Frank hire was like mocked by a lot of people. And there was anger, especially here in Kansas City, that Mizzou was leaving for the SEC at that time. That was their their last year in the Big 12. They won the Big 12 tournament that year. Chanted SEC on the way out, right? Um, And it's just it's not as easy as it sounds to use all of that kind of energy productively and not let it create problems. And that group did it and did it successfully, and did it in just such a beautiful way. Um, and, look, I, <laughs> I know that people just say, like, Norfolk State when, um, you know, when that team is brought up, but the NCAA tournament is wild, and I don't care what anybody says. That was one of the best five or so teams in the country that year. Um, okay, one more question. Here you go, guys.
3: Hey, this is Garrett from Lenexa, Kansas. And my question to you is, what do you think the chances are of Kansas City being the spot of the World Cup in 2026, and uh, would you go for it? Do you support it? Do you think it's a good idea for the city?
0: So, Gary, it's it's a good question, something a lot of people have been wondering, and I just don't have a good feel for it, you know, and um, a good feel for the, the chances of us landing games. Um, I've heard people involved call it 50-50 to host games. I've heard people involved express... A ton of confidence I've heard people involved who are worried about being left out. Um and and again, like when I say left out, I want to be specific here and say I'm talking about games. I'm going in with the assumption that we are a lock to have base camps here. And I, I guess I have enough Kansas City insecurity in me to wonder if FIFA will see a relatively small market. That's really well positioned, both geographically and with facilities to host several teams for base camps, and think you should just be happy with that. I also wonder how excited the Chiefs are to have, you know, just physically change Arrowhead in a summer and then retrofit it back for football. Uh, I hope I'm wrong about all this. I hope this is just paranoia, um, but that's where I'm at. Um, but as for whether it's a good idea, like you guys, um, <laughs> It will be the biggest and best thing Kansas City has ever had, and not by a small amount. Um, You probably know that I am naturally skeptical about financial impact estimates, uh, and I am. But for me, the World Cup is an exception, maybe the only exception, just because of... The national and international exposure, you know, the fact that so many of the people interested in watching and being part of the World Cup are coming from outside of that specific market, you know, often outside of the country. I just I I think that stuff matters. I think it matters to show people what we're about and to maybe push back on some outdated stereotypes people might have about Kansas City or the Midwest, Um, you know, continue to show people the truth about, you know, kind of what and who we are. Look, we, we all look at things through our own lens. So I, I know this isn't something a lot of people should or do think about, but that's the kind of event that can turn kids into lifelong sports or soccer fans. It can forever change the perceptions of how people see and think about Kansas City. It's just it's a really, really big deal. And um like when's the last time Kansas City hosted an event that was so big that even if you're not interested in that event, You can take a three week vacation and have it paid for and probably more by putting your house on VRBO or whatever, you know, like I'm just this is impossible to overstate. Like the stakes are enormous and, you know, long winding road here. But I'm glad that we got to a place where we can finish the show on a positive. Um, I really am. I appreciate you guys every week, but this week more than most. It just feels like we're at work. (laughs) We're working through some stuff together. You know what I mean? So. All right, guys, uh, that's the show. Uh, Thanks to everybody who called in, even those we couldn't get to. Thanks to Monty Davis. Monty, thank you for putting all this together. And as always, the biggest thanks to you guys for listening, for joining, letting us be a small part of your life. Um, All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Be kind.